Amen. The Lord's good. So, how many got an extra hour of sleep last night? Raise your hand. I didn't. Of all the nights of the year that you have a chance to get more sleep, the Lord woke me up because I said something stupid the other day. I was telling Becky because I woke up another night last week and I was telling her how awesome it is between 4 and 6 a.m. to pray. It seems like it's a special time. It, one night is really special. Two nights, it's like, oh, Lord, no, please. But it is a special time. I don't know why, but I'm saying, Lord, I don't really want to get into this habit. So I've been awake since 4 o'clock. Yes, mercy. But the Lord's good, isn't he? Um, so... Wanted to talk to you a little bit. Uh, you know, when you read the Gospels, uh, a lot of the things that Jesus does in the Gospels, a lot of the, the parables and a lot of the stories about his miracles and things, really they're uh, meant to tell us something. They're meant to, to give us some insight into his ways and into, into the way your Christian life actually works. It's amazing how much revelation is in the Gospel if God, in the Gospels, if God will reveal it to you. Uh, you know, we tend to think about the, the letters like Ephesians, and Galatians, and Romans, and all that as being the things that really teach us about living the Christian life, which they really do. But there's also a, a mighty thing about, you know, about how God operates and how He functions with people and how He in, in, in connects with us and how He relates to us and wants us to get insight from the bungling of the disciples because we're all bungling disciples whether you know it or not. If you are not, you will be one day. I can tr- you can be trust that. One day you will come to the re- revelation that what you think you know is not so awesome after all. It's pretty not awesome. Right? So let me ask this uh, question that's been asked millions of times. How many of us would desire to live a life of significance and purpose? Of course, we all would. Let me put it another way for people who struggle with these big platitudes is how would you like to have an influence in your family, your children, your grandchildren, your spouse, your workplace? Wherever you go, you would like to have some impact and your life count for something more than just coming here and making it through the day. How many would not want that? Raise your hand, Kathy. (laughs) I tricked her. Yeah. Um, I think we all would. That's just a kind of a question. What do they call those kind of questions? Rhetorical questions, yeah. That's what it is. But, but have you ever noticed that some, some people, for some reason, seem to have a bigger God than other people, okay? Have you noticed that? Some people seem that God seems to function and flow through their lives more than other people. And it seems like their lives are more impacting and they are living out a purpose and a destiny that we just sit back and watch them and cheer them on and wish deep in our heart that we could live that way. Does anybody ever felt that way? Well, we all know that there's no such thing as a, a, a bigger God or smaller God. It's, it's us, it's who we are as people, and it's our capacity that, that limits God, the capacity within us is a factor in how much God is able to use us and how much we are able to live a supernatural 
a life that's fruitful in an, in an abundant way. And so what God is interested in is He's interested in expanding our inward capacity. He's interested in expanding our inward capacity for Him to flow in your life in a greater way than He is currently flowing. And that's really the, the truth. And so um, I wanted to show you a few things. I talked to you a little bit out of this last week. The feeding of the 5,000 is such a, an amazing story in the Bible. And it really has spoken to me a whole lot for a while, it seems. So I wanted to tell you a few other things out of this that I think is really important for us this morning because I think God really does want to expand us in a lot of ways. Uh, this is, I'm reading in Mark's version. Like I told you, I think I told you last week that this is the only one of Jesus' miracles that are in all four Gospels. That's pretty important. That, that means God's like, uh, I'm going to repeat this over and over and over. There's little differences in the way it's told, obviously, but I think that's profound, really. Uh, this is... This is how this thing began. Uh, he's, and he said to them, Come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. That, that's a good beginning. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They did not even have time to eat. God was moving in such an extraordinary way that they were not even able to sit down and have a meal. Now, you've got to be careful when you ask God to move. Because God can disrupt the order, the natural order to the degree that he did here. To the degree that... And you think, well, God would never do that. Well, Jesus did it. Okay? He, he disrupted the natural order. And so when we ask God to move, we ask the Lord for an outpouring of his spirit, we're really asking him to come and dis, disrupt our natural order. Because that's what he will do. It must happen. Okay? But I don't... You know, I don't really care for getting my sleep or eating disrupted. <laughs> I don't know about you. And so they departed to a, a deserted place in a boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departed, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. That was so amazing what was happening. They saw what Jesus was doing, and they saw him headed to this place, and they ran. It says they ran. They ran there. That's, that's a revival. That's a move of God when people are running to a place because God is in that place. God is showing up. God is doing what only God does. And uh, that's what we would really like. But the disciples were wore out. They, they, were, they were exhausted. They had been doing, if you read you know, on back in the story, they had been sent out and they had been doing ministry. God had sent them out. The Lord had sent them out. And they had been doing all, these, all this ministry, all these miracles, all these awesome things were happening. And then they get back with Jesus and they have this you know, disorganized, somewhat confusing situation where all these people were coming and they were ministering to the people and they were hungry and they were tired. And the Lord recognizes, say, this is number one I want everybody to get in this room, is God understands the limits of our human capacity. Okay, He understands that as human beings, we are limited in how much we can take. We're limited 
and how much sleep we can be deprived of, of how much food we can be deprived of. We're limited in how, much, how many hours a week we can work and how much we can volunteer. Mothers are limited. Mothers of all people on the earth hit the wall with children where they become emotionally drained, where they have nothing else to give their children. Because God, because as a, but God created us with these limitations within us. He created us that way. He didn't expect us to be unlimited in all we do and all we're involved in. It's just not a, a reality. Uh, he understands the condition of our humanity. He knows what our heart is like. And He knows when there's a time to speak to us and say, Wait, you need to stop. You need to be still. You need to take a time and rest. And that's what He was trying to do with His disciples. So... He, he did that, and he'll do that with us. He'll come to us at times and say, whenever the Lord approaches you like that, it's really wise for you to listen to him. I mean, on any area of your life, not just spiritually, but any place in your life where God is, begins to speak to you and says, you, you need to rest, you need to stop. I'll, I've told this story to many people for years. I was a big runner for years and years, and one summer in the middle of August, I was out running and and I heard this voice, and it was my body, I think it was my body talking to me, saying, you've got to stop this. You've got to stop this. I was 50-something years old then, okay? I think I was 58 years old, and my body was saying, you can't keep running at this, because I was running like five miles a day in, the, in hard running. I mean, I was running fast back in those days. And I realized at that moment that that time in my life was over with. I wasn't 25 years old anymore. And my body was telling me, this is no longer what you can do. And so if a person doesn't listen in the natural, when things happen, they can create disaster in their life. But how much more spiritually when God speaks to us? You know, uh, when God, you know, many a parent has abused their child because they, they were emotionally stretched to the point where they... They lost control, and, and I'm sure there was a place in there when God was telling them to stop, stop, wait, get some help. So the Lord knows this, but let me just tell you this. If you desire to live this life, you know, to make a difference, if, you, if that's what's in your heart, God will purposely, and you will purposely many times over your life, come to these places where you have hit your capacity. You will come to these places more than once in your life if, if that's what you want. If, if you want to live a purposeful life, if you want to live a life of significance, if you want to make a difference in your life, you are going to find times in your life where you are stretched beyond measure. You're, you're going to find times where you can't go any further and you need God to intervene in your life and you need God to do something in your life. That's what this really teaches us. Okay, because they were already wore out, see? And God was already telling them to take a rest. And then suddenly there's this crowd coming. What does Jesus do? He doesn't turn them away like they said. They said, turn them away, send them home. No, he didn't do that. Okay, that's not how God works. God doesn't work that way. See, they were already at their limit. And now all of a sudden they were in another situation. He knew what he was doing. Okay? So you need to be thinking about that. One of the things that I think is really important right now, I think I shared it a couple of weeks ago, is God really is interested in reminding us about our humanity. God really wants us to know that we're human. 
And that's part of how He created us. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Being a human is an awesome thing. And, you know, Jesus came to earth as a man, as a human being, and God. And when He left the earth, He still had His humanness. He didn't quit being flesh and blood. Right? Even though He could walk through walls as flesh and blood, He just was taking power over the elements. But He sits in heaven as a man, as a God-man. Paul calls Him the man, Christ Jesus. The man, Christ Jesus. And so part of your spirituality is, is embracing your humanness. And, and, and part of embracing your humanness is embracing your limits. Okay? It's really important. As you begin to see, you have limitations on you. It's really important if you're going to really do everything God's called you to do to realize that you're going to run into these places where you don't have anything left to give, that you don't have what it takes. Now, that's going to be really important. And if you're like me, that would frustrate you really bad. Really, what that will either lead you to, it will lead you to one or two things. It will lead you to despair or it will lead you to really finding God in a bigger way. I'm going to go on and read in verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So instead of saying, no, you know, my disciples are wore out. We're on a vacation. Y'all go home. No, see, God doesn't see the way we see. See, he sees something different. And a part of the spiritual life is learning to see how God sees. It really is. It's learning to see how God sees. And you can learn to see how God sees. It's just not just some spiritual experience. But God wants to teach people how he sees. He wants to teach people how he hears. Okay? And how he feels. He, he wants to share those things. So when we look at things, we don't just see. In other words, when I look, you look at a person, you just don't see their faults in that person. But you see them like he saw these people. He saw them with compassion. He saw them that they, they needed a shepherd. They were scattered. They were hurting. They were wounded. And see, that's how God looks at people. Isn't that really wonderful? <laughs> I think it is. If you put yourself in those people's boat and you'll be, one, you'll be thinking, this is wonderful. I'm feeling it's wonderful that God looks at me sometimes like, you need a shepherd. You need a shepherd. You need somebody to help you. You need somebody to touch you. You need somebody to pull you in. You need somebody to get you through this moment. And that's how he looks at us. He don't look at us like, you know what? You wouldn't be here if you wouldn't have been so stupid back there. You know? You know? How many people feel that way? Like, I wouldn't be here if I wouldn't have done this, Lord. And the Lord had not, he says nothing about it. Over and over in the Bible, you'll find God, when people come to him and they're in a big mess, he doesn't go after them about being in a big mess. He doesn't go after them about why you wound up here. He goes after them to try to help them. He goes after them and reaches out to them to heal them. And then maybe later, we'll have a conversation about this. We'll talk about, like, hey, don't do that again. That was dumb. You know, that's going to mess you up if you do that. I really encourage you, don't do that. Anyways, uh, so this is when the disciples kick in. Uh, after he was teaching them all this stuff, you know, and then it was getting late, and they were still hungry, and they were still tired, and they had all these hungry and tired people there. It says, when the day was far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, 
And already the hour is late. Now, I don't think they put the emotions in the Bible that this brought out. Because if it was me, I would be saying, I'm tired of this. Listen, get these people out of here. I mean, listen, we're tired, we're hungry, and you're doing all this teaching and preaching this way past 12. <laughs> right? And come on, let's do something. Get them out of here. Go home. You know? <laughs> Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. See, they were seeing the situation. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. Which was sort of the shock of the world. You know, sometimes you see a problem. We need to go and tell somebody in the church there's a problem. Sometimes God is inviting you in to be the solution to the problem instead of going and tell somebody. That's what we used to say in the work world all the time. We're looking for people who can be solutions, not problems. So if you're going to be a problem here, go somewhere else because we need solution-oriented people. Right? That's what they said in the work world. And God's called us to be solution people. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something that's thousands of dollars? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. So here's the thing that I want you to get. And I feel like this has been like a big stumbling block in my life. Is if you're going to live this life, you're going to have some crisis in your life. Okay? There's going to be this crisis where you don't have what you need to be able to do what God has placed in front of you. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? So it's like this tension between opportunity and lack. So you got opportunity on one hand, but you have this huge lack on the other hand. You have this great opportunity in front of you, but there's a lack. You don't have what you need to meet this opportunity. And see, that's what God will call you into. Because if your vision for your life is a small vision... If it's a a human vision, you will always have enough. You'll have enough to do everything you want to do. Okay? If you've got everything and you're doing what you believe is your ministry and you've got everything you need to do it, then you've really missed God somewhere. Because God's dreams and God's visions are bigger than what we have the capability to provide for. And I'm telling you, that's easy to say, but that's hard to live. It's hard to be in a place where God puts you somewhere in a situation to do something and you don't have the means to do it. You don't have what it takes to fulfill it. But you see, if you're going to live this life, if you're going to allow God, that's how God begins to expand people, is He puts us in these places and He stretches us in these places. And it's no fun to be in those places. I promise you, it was no fun that day for those disciples to be there facing those hungry people. They were hungry. They were tired. They were wore out. They were wanting to go ahead. They did not have what it took. And see, God desires to put us in those places like that if, if you're going to live this life, if you're going to allow God to stretch you and open you up. That sounds like a really grand lifestyle, doesn't it? It's a crisis. It really is. And a lot of people pull back. 
I'll tell you, a lot of people, a lot of people pull back in that place. A lot of people in this room, you've pulled back because you did not have what you needed. You didn't have, you didn't have what it takes to do what you felt like God called you to do. You didn't have it. You didn't have it in you. You didn't have any anointing. You didn't feel like you had the authority. You didn't feel like you had anything. You didn't have the money to do it. You didn't have whatever it was. And didn't say, what did you do? You pulled back from it. How many people haven't pulled back? I don't think there's a person in this room that's really going after God and trying to live this life that haven't pulled back at some point because of the lack that they are facing. Everybody does it. That's human nature. That's what these disciples were. That's what Jesus was trying to teach us right there. This is what you're going to do. This is what's going to happen to you when you find yourself in those places. You're going to be tempted to pull back. You're going to be tempted to shut down. Like, I can't do this. I don't want anything to do, do with this. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, uh, I want to say this. Um, learning how to say no is really awesome thing to do, you know. Because a lot of people need to learn how to say no. Here's where it's not awesome. When you're saying no to God. You see what I'm saying? It's one thing if I say no to somebody who's trying to get me to do something. It's another thing when I'm telling God. When God's saying, no, I want you to do that. No, I'm not doing that. That's not a good no. You need to learn how to discern when, when, when God brings opportunities to you. Which one are God? Because you could be saying no to some things that God is saying yes to Another thing I think is awesome is boundaries. Learning how to live with healthy, whole boundaries with other human beings. Because you can have great relationships with them. But I'll tell you, one person that doesn't care for a boundary because he wants everything is the Lord. He wants to be living in the center of your heart. He wants himself to be flowing through you. So when we create a boundary for him, he doesn't really like that. So a lot of those teachings are awesome as long as we keep them on this plane. But if we start putting them on that plane towards him, they become a fault. Let me read verse 39. Are you okay? Yeah. Then he commanded them to make them sit down in groups on the green grass. That's what he did. That's all he did. He said that. So they sit, and, you know, they was probably wondering, what is he going to do? Like he's going to feed these people? You know, I mean, that's what I'd have been thinking. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves. And I think in John's, he says he thanked them for it. But it's just a, a, such an awesome picture there of giving something to God and what he does with it. You know, oh, he blesses it and he breaks it. Oh, Lord, have mercy breaking things. God's good at breaking stuff. Oh, Lord, we give this church. Fine, I'm breaking it. It's broke. Don't fix it, Lord. Don't fix something. Don't break something. You know that old saying, don't break something. Don't need whatever it was. You know, you break something that needs to be fixed or whatever. Yeah, think broke, don't whatever. Anyways, I'm really brilliant. That four o'clock thing's really taking its toll on me. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke, and gave them to the side and set them before them. And the two fish divided among all of them, so they all ate and were filled. That's an awesome miracle, right? So here's the thing. They gave, they gave the Lord what they had. They had five loaves and two fish. That's all they had. That was not enough to feed anybody except the little boy that gave them the five loaves and two fish. Okay? So that's going to be 
something God's going to be coming for people for. He's going to be coming, what do you have? What, what, have, what do you have that's real in your life? You see, that's what God really wants to use. But see, you're going to have to give Him what you have. Okay? Now think about it a minute. If you have an anointing to do something, at some point in your life, God is going to want that anointing back. He's going to want you to give Him that anointing. Now, I'm telling you that. That's not a really popular day when God asks you for that. I mean, y'all just looking at me. When that day comes, you'll know what I'm talking about. You know? Or your money. I mean, why are Christians so uptight about talking about money? Because there's been abuse. That's why people... But God really wants your money. Really, God wants your heart. It's really ultimately what he's really after in all of that. But, you know, money does represent a lot of our life, right? It, it represents our time. It represents the abilities that we have. It represents our talents. And that's why giving money is like giving a part of yourself. It really is. This is not a message on giving money, but it is a message on giving money. Because giving money is, part, is called giving part of yourself, who you really are. And a lot of Christians have a hard time about giving. And because they're holding back from God himself. See, their issue really ultimately is, is, is that they have something going on with God. Y'all didn't like that. <laughs> but here's what I think about this, also, really. I mean, I think that, but this is... You've got to get your resources into God's hands. But really what you've got to get into God's hands is your humanity. That's what you've got to get into God's hands. If you are going to be able to do what God's called you to do, you, you've got to get yourself into His hands. You've got to... You've got to give who you are to Him. How many people in here have an identity that they like? Say you have this identity that you're a certain person and you've come to like that identity because you believe God gave you that identity. You believe that you're being really real and being really who you are and that's who you're known to be. Does anybody get what I'm talking about? I'm going to tell you this. There's coming a day when God's going to go after that thing. He's going to go after that identity. Not any other fake identity. He'll go after the real identity. Because that's, He's going to go after the real you. And He wants us to be able to get, get ourselves, get all of that, give, get our reputation into His hands. I don't even know how to say all this. I don't even know how deep to, to go with this, but I'll tell you, there's a time between you and God when He is going to want all of that from you. He's going to want all of it from you. Because that's what He said. What do you have? And you may say, Lord, this is all I've got. I've got this awesome revelation. Well, give that to me then. No, I don't want to give you my revelations. You know, because I know what you do with that kind of thing. You break it. And all of a sudden, my revelations don't work no more when they used to work. 
They used to work so great. Lord, I would preach these revelations. They worked great until you got a hold of them. And when you got a hold of them, you ruined them. And nobody likes it no more. It's true, though. It is really, what I'm telling you there is really true. God will break those things. He will crush them to pieces. And what you have suddenly that was so beautiful doesn't feel beautiful to you no more. And you're struggling all of a sudden, wondering, was that ever a real revelation from God in the first place? You know, but that's the, the way God expands us. That's the way He expands us. And God will put you in these places like he put these disciples. I was thinking about this recently. Me and Becky went to the mountains for a few days and there was this dead-end road that they said there's a, there's a hiking trail at the end of this dead-end road. You can go and hike and actually go to the parkway that was miles by car. You can actually go to the parkway. You can walk right to the parkway through this thing. So we drove our car down to the end of this dead-end road and there was a cabin there. And we were standing there looking at the cabin thinking, that would be a great cabin to, to rent and bring all our family to. And, and the, just all of a sudden this car pulls up, the last house. There was just a very few houses on this dead-end road. And the woman was getting her mail. And she saw us looking at the cabin, so she gets out of the car and walks over to us. And I'm thinking, I don't want to talk to that woman. <laughs> of course, Becky did because she owned the cabin. And Becky wanted to talk to her about renting the cabin. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to have this conversation. Can we go, go? And so we chit-chatted a minute, chit-chatted, chit-chatted. And all of a sudden, this conversation starts turning. I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> Somehow, on a dead-end road in the mountains, this woman that has these massive needs in her life needs God to do something for us, finds me and Becky when I'm taking a few days off. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Don't she have a pastor she can go talk to God? That's what I was thinking. Becky starts praying for her and she starts weeping. You know, and I, she has all these questions. And I'm thinking, I know the answer to every one of those questions. Well, I can tell you how to do that, ma'am. You know, I just happen to be in a business that knows how to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> You know, I know how you deal with a funeral home and get a body from one state to the other because I've done it before. <laughs> it's those kind of conversations. But see, when you begin, you see, that's what Jesus was trying to show these guys. When you start living that life like that, God will send people to you on dead-end roads. God will, people will find you because why? you got something they need. And if you don't want this life, you don't want that. See, that's part of this, what this life is that I'm talking about. I think it's really interesting that they gave Jesus the five loaves and the two fishes. He prayed for them. And then this is, what's, this is crazy to me. But this is how God works. He prayed for, you know, blessed it, you know, broke the bread. And guess what he did? I'll tell you what he didn't do. 
what everybody says he did. Jesus did not feed the 5,000. Everybody thinks he did. You know what he did? You know what you just gave me? Here, you can have it back. And what did they get back? They didn't get back bushel baskets of fish and bread. They got what they gave him. It had been altered a little bit. But they got back. You see, here's the thing that I found out. Oh, Lord, here I am. I just give you this church. I just give you this church. Thank you. Why are you giving it to me after it's broke? You broke it, Byron. Okay, here, you can have it back. Now you fix it. You see, here's the thing we think God's going to do. We think when we give something like that to God, that God's going to take it and everything's going to be okay. And when we get it back, it's going to be really slick and nice. No, you're just going to get back that same stinking five loaves, moldy five loaves, what, and sorry two fish. That's what he's going to do. He's going to give it right back to you. That's how God does. And he, then he says, just go give it to them. You see, they actually, technically, they fed the people. Jesus just did the prayer. You know, waved his hand, you know, we're going to make some kind of, we're going to wave our hands over this. Then here, y'all take it back. You see what I'm saying? And see, that's how God works. See, that's what God wants to do. We're thinking God's going to do something. And he's saying, I've done my part. I've, you've given it to me. I've blessed it. I've broke this thing. I've worked it over real good. Now I'm just handing you right back. Have, just, have you just ever noticed that when you got saved the next morning, you didn't wake up with a 160 IQ? <laughs> I mean, you're the same one, you know, 98 IQ you had the day before you got saved. Suddenly, you didn't become the most brilliant person. You know, we think that God's got, suddenly everything's just going to change. We're going to be the smartest, best people in the world because we've got this anointing on us. No, you're just that same old thing. It's just that you're a new creation and that's working itself through that same old thing. And see, we get this ideal about God and about how God wants to use us and how God wants to work in our lives, and we stumble all over the place because we don't want to get the five loaves and two fish. We want to get millions of pounds of fish to feed all these people, but we don't. We get that, and he said, feed them, and so we take what we have and we give it, and God does the supernatural part for us that you can't see. But he's expecting us to take it out there to those people and hand it to them. It's really true. Well, anyways, I thank you, Lord. You know, the last thing I wanted to tell you is in verse 43. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now, those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. 12 baskets. They didn't get 12 baskets from the Lord. Okay, they didn't get that from him. They got five loaves and two fish back for him. But when they were finished doing what he asked them to do, they got 12 baskets. Because here's, here's what a lot of people's problem is. You don't want to give it to them because you feel like this is all I got. And if I give it to God, I don't have anything left. Right? I can't give God this much money. Because if I give God this much money, I don't have any money. If I give God all my give all my revelation out, I don't have anything left. What am I going to do? I just I need to retire. You know, <laughs> I've given everything I've got. You see, but the way God is is when we do it. See, He we get back more than we gave after 
we've done what he's asked us to do with it. Y'all see that? That's, that's really important. You are never going to come to a place in your life. You're going to always have that limited capacity in your life. Until you're willing to live this kind of life. Until you're willing to let these kind of things happen to you. This, this is the way, that's what, this is to me, when I read this story, this is what jumps all over me. Now, I wanted to read this one other scripture. It's a famous scripture. Okay? I have this relationship with this scripture. It's not a good relationship, I'll be honest with you. It's Isaiah 54, 2 through 3. Steve laughing. He got that this morning. Coming in. Have you ever, anybody ever gave you this word? Lord have mercy. I remember I went. I remember a season, I got this word so many times, I'm thinking, oh, praise the Lord. This is good now. This is going to be a good time in my life. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. God's fixing to do something. God is fixing to do something really good in my life. I'm going to get promoted. Good things are coming my way. All my dreams are fixing to be revealed because God's saying, get ready for it. Enlarge it, man. Make it bigger. Right? Everybody wants that. And let them, I never figured out who them was, but it's probably them situations. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Don't spare. Yeah, don't hold back. You know, go for it. Let us get this thing out of here as far as you can get it. I mean, where you got stretch marks all over you. You feel like you're going to pop sometimes. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your station. This is a tent kind of picture. For you shall. You shall expand to the right and to the left. Oh, praise God. I'm going to expand. That's what I was thinking. And your descendants will inherit the nations. Lord, in mercy, I'm praying for my children and grandchildren. You know, this is amazing. And make the desolate cities inhabited. And you could read it on and on and on. And so I was getting these scriptures heavily from people who really hear the Lord. And my life just sort of went down the tubes. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, what, happened, what about them scriptures, Lord? What happened? What? And I wondered for years what happened. It's like they never really come true in my life. I mean, it seemed like I just got opposite, and then it just stayed opposite. You know, sometimes you get opposite, and then you get through the opposite, and then you get it. You know, sometimes you had to go through that desert between the promise and the promised land. Sometimes you had to walk through that. But it's just like, you know, I just never got there, you know, and I really believe, and this is what I believe. I believe this, is I didn't do my part. I didn't do my part. I didn't let the Lord expand my capacity. I ran from situations that I looked at that were overwhelming to me. When I couldn't meet the need, I ran from the need. I was scared to pray for people that were dying. I would pray for them, but in my heart, I just didn't feel like I had what it took because it was bigger than me, way bigger than me. I, didn't want, I wanted to be as conservative as I could be in my life because I didn't want to be in a situation where I didn't have the means to, to do what I felt like God wanted me to do. And that is why I believe my life got limited for a long time is I didn't allow God to expand me beyond normal human capacity. 
and I lost years of my spiritual life over that kind of thinking. Years. And that's why I believe Jesus gave us that story is he wanted to warn us, listen, you're human. You're a human being. You are going to be put in situations that are impossible over and over and over in your life. Over and over. Those are invitations. Those are invitations for you to become greater on the inside than you are on the outside. Those are invitations for you to let this thing that I have put in you come out in a bigger way. Don't run from them. Don't hide from them. Don't be humiliated about them. God really does want to expand people. He really does. Now, y'all just sitting here looking at me. Thank you. (laughs) It's not a bad day. It's not a bad day when you, in your life, you feel like you, you realize, "I, I really can't. I really can't do any of this. I can't, I can't do what I feel like God's put in front of me. That's not a bad moment because it's God helping you see what you are and what He is. The problem is the moment becomes bad if we don't turn to Him. If we turn away, if we don't turn to Him in that moment and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. This is just a reminder to me that I need you desperately in my life to do this thing. And I'm not just saying it because these are words. I'm saying it because I really mean it, Lord. I really mean it because I feel this. I can't do this. You're always going to not have the resources. They will not be there. And if you let that stop you, You'll never fulfill the calling God's place. You'll never fulfill your destiny if you just look at your natural resources. And so what I feel the Lord wants to do is call people up out of that kind of thinking and call them into something more and be willing to like whatever little you have, your little five loaves and two fish, whatever that is. For some of you in this room, it will be your humanity for sure. Some of it may be your gift or call and whatever. But it really is a time for us to get whatever that is into his hands. You've got to get your future into his hands. You've got to get your finances into his hands. You've got to get your health into his hands. You've got to get your, your, your gifting into his hands. You've got to get it into his hands. Because he's going to ask you, what do you have? Well, I have a sick body. Give that sick body to me. Give me that sick body. Lord, I got, I got a little bit of gifting, Lord. Give that gifting to me. Lord, I got a little bit of purpose. I got a little bit of dream. I got a little bit of a future thing I want to do. Give that to me. We've got to get it into his hand. And when we get it in his hand, that's when he begins to work on it. But don't be tricked when he turns around and hands it right back to you and it don't look a bit different. It don't even feel different. Don't be tricked by it. Just take it and begin to put it to work. Put it to work. 
and cooperate with God and be that person that God designed you to be. And get out of this resistance, this holding back or... Oh, I'm disappointed because last all that, all that you got to get all that out of the way. You got to you got to forget all that. You got to just get away from all that. You got to get see see we got to do that. We can't just linger back there. We we can't we can't just go over and over failure and and what happened and they didn't do my like my ministry or they didn't like that and I don't know what I'm talking about. You know what the Lord told me recently? Hey. I was saying, Lord, you know what? I don't think people like there's a certain part of revelation I have. I don't think people like that revelation, Lord. And he said to me this, well, why don't just me and you do that revelation and don't worry about everybody else? That's what he told me. Just me and you do it. Me and you talk about it. You don't have to talk to them about it. If they don't like it, just talk to me about it. That is what you call a secret place. Where you can talk to God about what's, what's meaningful to you. And about what's real in your life. And what you feel like He's revealed to you. And what you, all those things that mean something dear to you. That's a secret place. Okay. Thank you, Lord. You're the ender, right, Becky? She's the ender. The finisher, whatever they call this. Hey, you know, maybe Andy would come back up and play some music. Huh? Andy wants to share something. Should we let him? <laughs> this is like a, this is more of a testimony. Uh, <clears throat> I had the last two nights or last two days. I've woken up and I've heard this this phrase. It's actually from a song, but it's uh, um, it's uh, the the phrase is this narrow world of unbelief. And I was thinking um, how how. The, the things in my life that I have, have achieved, maybe, maybe achieved is the wrong word, but the things that I've laid hold of with the Lord in, in, in my natural life and in the supernatural have all come about because of something, and it's this. <clears throat> so one of the distinctives of being a Christian is that you see things that can't be seen. So that's the difference between you and everybody else in the world who doesn't know Jesus yet is that you're looking, you're looking at something that nobody else sees. And that, that loaves and fishes story is really the disciples learning to reach into what they couldn't see with their natural eyes and achieving. It was really a gift from, from Jesus that day because he was bringing him into the the way of really being human. This is the actual, this is, this is God's goal and aim for us, is to live from this place of seeing what cannot be seen. And when Byron was just describing that, that crisis where you have this opportunity in front of you and no means to get there, that is God's invitation to us to get there. It's like the qualifying point it's, it's like you've got this thing in front of you that God has put into your heart and you have nothing with which to do it. And God's saying, come on. That's the moment. That's the time. That's when you get to see what cannot be seen. And, you know, and the how-to part is that's between you and the Lord. You know? But the testimony part of this is I wanted to, I wanted to tell you guys this because it's really, 
the timing of the Lord is significant, man. I just, I don't really understand how he, he does all these things. Byron's talking about all of these failures in his life about spiritual stuff. And I was thinking about all of Byron's amazing successes. And I've got Matthew and Sarah sitting behind me. They're, they're in this whole other adventure with the Lord. Amy and I are, we're stepping into things that we're just, we can't even begin to tell you the, the magnitude of prophetic uh, wonderfulness that is unfolding in our lives right now. It's happening because when we hit the crisis modes, well, you do have days when you're like, I can't do this, I can't do this, but you hit the crisis mode and then you see what can't be seen and you go for it anyways. That's the only difference between people that enter in and people who don't. There's, there's not the super spiritual people of the world and the unspiritual people of the world. It's just the people who decide to see what can't be seen. And I want to say this last thing. <clears throat> Dreams do come true. You need to hear that. Dreams do come true. And this room is filled with men and women of God who have pressed into those, laying hold of those dreams in the midst of, the, of significant odds. But I want to tell you from my heart to yours today that dreams do come true. And the harvest is rich and it's very, very sweet. The harvest is rich. It's very sweet. And so you need to know that because there will be times when the strength is gone, when you really have hit your capacity. Amy and I have hit that wall many, many, many times. And, um, but uh, dreams do come true. The Lord is good and the Lord is faithful. And he is leading us into great great things that are on his heart, really. They're really on his heart. So we'll, we'll do another song if you want us to, Byron. That's good, Andy. Give him a hand. Let's just stand up. And um, I just feel like we're supposed to present the Lord our five and two. For some reason, that was really sticking out to me. Give back to the Lord our five and two. So, Lord, this morning, we just stand together, Father, and we just say, here is our five and two, whatever it is, Lord. Lord, we just give it to you and put it in your hands, Lord, and just breathe on it, Lord. Just breathe your breath on that five and two. Lord, we want to release, release everything back to you, Lord, whether we're feeling great about ourselves or we're feeling terrible about ourselves. It's the five and two, Lord. And so we're just asking you right now, Lord, to take and do with it what only you can do. And then, Lord, we will just say, help give us eyes to see, Lord, where we take it back. (laughs) Or we take it back and run with it, Lord God. Lord, we just thank you for the blood of Jesus this morning. Lord, we thank you that we stand complete, complete this morning in Christ. There is nothing broken, nothing lacking. 
in Christ at this moment, Lord, because you suffered, you bled, you died, your blood speaks a better word. And today we do not have to fear because of the blood of Jesus. We're totally complete. And we thank you for that, Lord. We receive it this morning. Lord, it's the foundation of our faith. And we want to leave here this morning confident, confident, Lord. Lord, just release a supernatural confidence as we place our five and two in your hands, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah, I just feel the wind coming on your five and two right now. Our five and two. (laughs) It's good. Yeah, I just, I I know, this is what I see. I just see the wind of heaven coming and scooping it out of our hands and taking it. And it's coming back with power and authority. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Oh, yeah. And Okay, and also about your money. <laughs> There's a lot of people that have a lot of fear with them about releasing money to the Lord. Just give him the five and two. Just give it to him right now. Just say, Lord, I want to trust you with my money. I'm tired of hanging on to it, thinking it's going to do something for me. Lord, we just say, Lord, we just release it all, all the worries, all the cares about the future, about money, about investments, about work, Lord, about... Lord, we just say we just want to operate in kingdom life with our money, Lord. So here's our five and two. Here's that. Here's that also. Thank you, Lord. Mm, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We want to call the ministry team up. Andy can just, yeah, we just want to pray for you this morning. I feel like there's healing in the house this morning. I feel like the chill, you know, healing is the children's bread. And that weakness in your body, the five and two, even there, come and giving it to the Lord. I believe God's going to heal some people this morning. And it's his desire. It's part of his covenant. A lot of people don't realize, but healing is part of the salvation covenant. That's why we can go for healing in our bodies. So come on up and get prayer. Andy's going to do some more worship or just lead us during this ministry time. Be blessed. Be blessed with his presence. May he go before you. May he go behind you. May he guard you in all your ways. May his presence just go with you in a mighty way this week. May you see breakthroughs. May you have encounters with him this week. May your heart be full. May all your needs that you are crying out to the Lord, may they just be filled May the season of blessing just be upon you. We just say in the name of Jesus, may his love encounters just change the course of your life. In the name of Jesus, we love you. We love you. He loves you. Amen.